Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Tennis Weekly with Joel, Kim, and Chris. On today's Tour Catch-Up, sponsored by DownloadTennis.com. Shelton sizzles to Tokyo title... Monfils Magic in Stockholm and Boris Becker joins Holger Rune's coaching team. Kim, Chris, today is the 23rd of October and we are here to catch up on the week in tennis at Tennis Weekly HQ. Ben Shelton is your champion in Tokyo. Gail Monfils back in the winner's circle in Stockholm. And we've had Boris Becker. Boris Becker joined Holger Runa's coaching team. Lots and lots to discuss. Lots of tournaments. I don't actually know how we're going to fit it into the hour, guys. But uh, we've got to start with the fact that, Chris, I can see you are grinning because last week... Kim came for you. She was not sure there was a tournament in Antwerp. And uh, the Tennis Weekly community leapt to your defences. I have never been more happy when I saw the notification on Twitter <laughs> from Nine Vicman, who told me that in 1996 to 98, there was an ATP Antwerp title in February at the start of the year. Well, of course. Then, of course. I mean, that was definitely what I was referring to. Um I was actually thinking more of the Diamond Games, which was the women's event, which Amelie Moresmo did so oh, well wow. at. Oh, wow. Um, which is a shame that that's no, that was a fantastic trophy for anyone what, who... Sorry, what was the Diamond Games? That That is even beyond my realms of uh, of tennis knowledge. It was genuinely just a tournament. They made it seem like it was something um, quite extravagant with that title. But it was just a, a regular tournament. And um, the prize, the trophy, was almost this like wonderful glass sort of giant rectangle which had a player in. It was a lovely sculpture. So I hope they got to have a miniature version of that. But, <laughs> I mean, that's all well and good, Joel. But the biggest news of the week, you've got a go. Tea. I That's know. Very different. Well, I know. Well, you know, November is coming up, and you know, I wanted to try something a little bit different. I have already got mocked at work uh, for what they would consider some suspect facial hair, but I just wanted to go for something different. A little bit Medvedevish, you know, when you grew it out Ooh. for a bit. Can you see it? Yeah, a I can see it. Okay. That's the justification. That's the justification. I'm, I'm channeling my, my inner octopus, my inner Daniel Medvedev. I don't think you should deny our listeners an image of it, though. I think you should post on our socials Ooh, okay. after we've uh, finished. I'll post, in, I'll post in in Tennis Weekly merch so that, you know, at least there's something yeah. visually pleasing to see alongside we'll, my we'll goatee. We'll do a vote. Sh- shave it off or keep it oh okay yes yes oh i'm scared now i'm scared what are, gonna, what are people gonna say probably probably get rid of it i'm not gonna lie that's what i'll be voting oh. for <laughs> well if it's for a good cause you know you could raise some money in in november um but yeah i mean apart from joel's uh facial hair guys what's been your highlight from the past week i'm sure there's more than just uh, joel's face um <laughs> joel you've been watching the mass singer well, I think. well i was gonna say some people probably might want me in a costume like uh, the celebrities on the masked singer um but i don't know if you guys spotted it this week or our listeners did but uh, do you know who was on the mass singer in the united states of america Mm. What about Chris Abbott? uh, Their their outfit or their their costume was the royal hen. And they they were dancing, sorry, they were singing to Philadelphia Freedom by Elton John. Well, that's Uh, got to be a clue. Got to be a big clue. I think it's a certain lady in a pink, uh, normally in a pink blazer yes. that you like so much. I was much, actually Joel. shocked. Uh, it, she wasn't in in a pink or magenta uh, uh, jacket. It was Billie Jean King. Uh, Billie Jean King, yes, was on Goodness. the Masked Singer and uh, was performing. I want to say Masked Singer. Was it the Masked Dancer? I'm not sure, but um, it was definitely the Masked Singer because okay. she was singing. I okay. can confirm. Okay. Um, okay. She can hold a tune though, Joel. I'd say, and you know, she's she's pushing eighty, and she's really. Um, 
She doesn't turn down a gig, so fair play to her. What do you make of the royal hen? Have you have you seen an image of the royal hen? Is it is it going to give you nightmares tonight? It looks a bit like um I don't know, like a sailor or it's very some kind Napoleonic, of Napoleonic, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it, it's very yeah, like a, a naval captain or some I kind of what military the association leader. Is, you know, the royal hen. Yeah. Maybe it's um but I mean fantastic effort and you know, who will appear next? You from tennis, Ooh. who'd we like to be on it? Well, maybe Nick Kyrgios could appear because he is now unranked. He has no ATP points. He's got, he's got lots of free time to appear on a reality he doesn't. He's TV too busy show. playing Xbox. Well, he's only played one tennis match this year, and which actually surprised me. I thought he'd just played a bit more than that. But um, here's a question for you and our listeners. Can anyone tell me which match Nick Kyrgios played this year and where was it? It's got to be... Uh, Oh, on the tough. grass, on the grass somewhere. The grass? Yeah, that's all I know. Yeah. Early on Any in the guesses? season, because I can't, I've got no idea. Was it somewhere in Europe on grass? Yes, that has narrowed it down somewhere. It was actually Stuttgart. Uh, okay. I, I, I don't think you're going to get who he played, but listeners at home, you may you may know this immediately. It's Yibing Wu. Uh, he lost in straight sets. And yeah, that's the only time we've seen Nick Kyrgios on court this year. So, I mean, do you think he's he's unranked at the moment? But do you think we're going to see him back soon? Where, where do you think he can, you know, get back to in the rankings? It's been a long time since he's been active. To me, the interesting question is: Are tournament organisers going to give him wild cards? I feel like he's box office. He gets whether you like it or not. He gets bums on seats, and uh, the idea of an unranked Nick Kyrgios that arguably could say is like the most dangerous type of Nick Kyrgios in terms of for those big seeds it's a play you definitely do not want to face in uh in in round one of the tournament I mean the Australian Open seems like the logical return for him and mm. maybe he decided to get as physically fit as he could and have some time off and give it a really good go next year I can see the logic in that and I mean we all know that he's very I mean he's one of the most gifted players on the tour it's just whether he's able to be fit enough and have the discipline required because it is tricky and if you're happy off the court then we've seen with Muguruza and we've seen with the likes of Raducanu and a few others that it is it is very tempting to spend a little bit more time off the court so there's no doubt he's got the talent but has he got the commitment to tennis is my question there he doesn't need the commitment with all the wild cards that I reckon he's going to get. You think he'll just get the appearance <laughs> fees? <laughs> well, more on appearance fees later. But Chris, what was your highlight of the last week? Well, I mean, I've gone for social media. It's been a while since I've I've said my highlight is a social media post. But Serena Williams has stepped out after the birth of her second child for her first night out. Um and she went out with none other than uh, Caroline Wozniacki, Denmark's finest, as well as um, Irina Sabalenka. They were all at a party together. But this has set Twitter and Instagram alight because she actually cropped out Sabalenka from every single oh, picture. Savage. I know, the reigning world Ooh. number one. And um, uh, Sabalenka did upload the full image to her Instagram stories. <laughs> oh, wow. It did not make an in-feed. So... Um, I think there's a couple of question marks there as to everything is okay between the two of them. But Serena's looking like she's she's in pretty good shape. And I mean, we always, I always say this, but I always love seeing her play. I think she probably has stepped away now. But um, and if you're Sabalenka, would you be a little bit annoyed that you got cropped out of this one? I feel like if you're Sabalenka, you missed a trick there in terms of uploading the same photo on your Instagram, but have Serena Williams cropped out. That would be genuinely very funny. And she <laughs> yes. does love to play play around like that. So maybe that would be a great yeah. idea. But I know either way, Caroline Wozniacki's make it into that picture. Yeah. I mean, unless Serena just, you know, is the dimensions of her Instagram. However, yeah, I, I think maybe not. <laughs> but oh, bit of a, yeah, bit of grudge match going on there, maybe. Sabalenka feeling spurned. I mean, let's move onto the tennis court because we have had a lot of tournaments to catch up on that have taken place over the last week. Um, let's start in Tokyo, shall we? Because uh, that was a, a men's 500 event and we saw Ben Shelton winning the title uh, to win his very first ATP 
tour title. He beat Aslan Karatsev in straight sets in the final to get that title, 7-5-6-1. With this title, he's going to break into the top 15. Um, You know, he's only 21 years of age. We know he's got a lot of promise and potential. He can finally tick that tour title box uh, on his kind of career CV. Joel, what did you make of Ben Shelton this week in Tokyo? Yeah, I think he played, uh, to be honest, I think he played his best match in the final. Um, you know, earlier on, I think he was struggling to find his his rhythm a little bit. In his first two matches, he dropped the first set and was able to come through. But in that final, he just sort of, I think, pulled away from Aslan Karatsev um, in the end, particularly in that second set. And uh, yeah, his big booming served, you know, helped him along the way. All I would say is the only thing I was disappointed by we didn't get the we didn't get the telephone um, celebration at the end where I was like fully expecting, you know, that to come out. But um, yeah, it was a good it was a good result for him. But yeah, I was a little bit disappointed by the uh, the, the lack of uh, celebration at the end. Maybe he wasn't dialed in this time. Maybe mm. it was a wrong number. Could be, or maybe they didn't connect. You know, never, the Ooh, phone international call never came connect call fee. It's in Tokyo. It might be very expensive. Maybe his network provider doesn't mm, allow yeah. him for you know that sort of roaming ability. <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, he had to come down from a set down to win his first two matches of the week against Taro Daniel and Jordan Thompson. Um, he also also came down from a set and two breaks in the semi-final against Marcos Chiron. So really having to kind of prevail a lot in these long matches. And like you said, Joel, really playing his kind of best uh, match and saving it for the final once he'd he'd got through. He actually looked pretty fresh, didn't he? And it was a bit of a runaway victory um, in the end. Uh, Chris, what, what did you make of, of Ben's performance in the final itself? You know, particularly maybe his forehand uh, wing. Yeah, I mean, he, he was playing really well all week. And I think what's really impressive is that even in those sets, as you said, where it wasn't necessarily working, he wasn't necessarily landing all the forehands he'd want to. Um, he stuck in it and he made it really difficult and made them have to kind of beat him, his opponents. And in the final, I mean, if you're playing as well as he did, he, I mean, he hit 18 winners, um, 12 of his forehand and 12 unforced errors in total. Um, it just shows that you're just playing the game you want to play. Those are the numbers that you want to be hitting. And this is a really big learning curve for him. Um, getting that first title and getting such a big first title. I know it's not like a grand slam, but a 500 is a pretty big step and not everyone can win a 500. And there's been an awful lot on social media about it. But I mean, players who haven't won a 500 include mm. um, Kasper Ruud and Stefano Tsitsipas. Um, I believe, who is still not out of all of the finals he's had. I think he's had seven finals. He hasn't managed to do it. So getting over the 500 hurdle, I mean, that's got to set you in a good path now. I know it's impressive, the the rise and rise of, of Ben Shelton this season. And it feels like top, you know, even top 10 at the moment is not a, a far stretch of the imagination. I've got to ask, though, like, where do you where do you stand on Ben Shelton? Is he is he confident? Is he is he arrogant? Because I do sense like there's a, there's a there's a part of of the the tennis fan community that just sort of whatever he does sort of rubs them up uh, the wrong way. I mean, he's got confidence, but I think you need that if you're going to perform at an elite level and you know impose yourself in this world that we inhabit. Um, does it step across the line into sort of arrogance? I guess I can see why people might perceive it that way, but you know. I find him enjoyable to watch and I don't put him in the same category as a Nick Kyrgios who just outright misbehaves. So for me, it's, I guess, an acceptable amount of occasional ego on show. (laughs) You've got to have an ego, haven't you, really? You've got to be a bit of a a showman. And I think it is more in that sort of line of things. And I mean, he's, he's generating a lot of column inches in terms of his celebrations. We're talking about it. We're talking about what he's writing on the camera. Um, he obviously had a breakthrough season this year and he's making headlines on and off the court. Um, and I think it's kind of testament to the fact that he has been getting the results on the court, which kind of gives you a bit more license to, you know, off the court, um, make a bit more of a splash. So, I mean, I like him and I think, um, you know, in US tennis, it's nice to have someone who's getting the results and also has that sort of like American sort of attitude with him that, you know, he can do anything. I didn't realise that his father used to play have I just had my head in the sand for a while no idea either until this week I had no idea (laughs) but his father won a title in the open era so they have become the fourth father and son duo to both win 
tour level titles along with um well, the, the dent so phil and taylor dent the corders petra and sebastian and also the the Krishnans, uh, Ramanathan and Ramesh, who I'm, I'm not actually too familiar with. I do apologise. Uh, but yeah, I had no idea that Ben Shelton's dad was a tour pro, title winning tour pro. I had no idea either, to be honest. But I thought you were going to say Casper Rude's father. I thought Christian Rude, because he, I know he played. Oh, surely he'd been a tennis player, but just turns out not not that great. Is what I just found out. He didn't out. win a title. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, yeah. I thought they would have been on on there as well. And just before we look at other events, I noticed Japanese wildcard got to the semi-finals in Tokyo. Um, Shintaro Mochizuki uh, got a win over Taylor Fritz uh, after being bageled in the first set. What, Joel, you're nodding your head. What did you make of, of this kind of out of the blue Japanese wildcard making it to the semis? Yeah, it was uh, an incredible run. I think he's 20 years old. I think he is a Wimbledon uh, junior singles champion. And, uh, you know, he was in the same draw I think Carlos Alcaraz was in. So it just shows I think he did have some junior pedigree. But um, I think the challenge he's had is that it's been hard to transition uh, from the juniors to to the big leagues, to the, the senior tour. And again, all credit, I guess, to Ben Shelton in terms of how he's naturally transitioned and just felt so comfortable you know, playing at this level because it doesn't come easy to everyone. So I think it was really nice actually for Mochizuki to to have his moment, have a fairy tale run all the way through to the semi-finals because I don't think it's come easy that transition. I think it took him. I think he had like nine defeats um, on the ATP uh, tour, at the ATP tour level before he got his first victory. Um, so yeah, really really happy for him, and uh, we'll see we'll see how it goes. I feel like he's. You know, I look at him on court and I'm like, he's not the most imposing player. And I can see why, like, you know, at, at, at this level, at the very top level, he can maybe get, you know, he's not got as far up as, as maybe he would have he would have liked. But um, perhaps this might give him the confidence that actually he can do it. And actually he can, uh, you know, make a living on the on the ATP tour. You must be someone who has real resilience about you. If you've lost the first set, six love, and you come know, back that's to take incredible. out the top seed, it really is because surely you think that's the door being closed. But for Taylor Fritz and a lot of the ATP finals contenders, I mean, what was going on this week? I mean, I think the only player who made no it to a quarter... No one wants that final spot in the tour finals, <laughs> I swear. Lost first round, yeah. I know. And all of these players who were having some form have been going out. I mean, Diminar made the quarters, but didn't go further. Um, and it was we'll see a similar pattern in some of the other tournaments. Obviously, Kasper Ruud went out early as well. Um, and then it's just a case where, if you're Taylor Fritz this season, does it, does, should he qualify based on how he's been playing? And, um, and Kasper, it feels like we are screaming out for a breakthrough, you know, an Annette Kontovic-style qualification. Just win all the last tournaments, do a Felix Oja Aliasim, and then qualify for us. But it's, it's Manorino's to lose is what you're saying, right? That's exactly <laughs> what I'm saying. It really is. French number one. Well, talking of French players, uh, we have had a French victory last week on the tour um, in Stockholm. Uh, we had Gael Monfils winning his uh, 12th tour title. I actually thought he might have had slightly more than that I thought 12 doesn't sound enough for Monfils but um, it's his first title in almost two years uh, he beat Pavel Kotov a qualifier in the final um, to get his his long-awaited 12th title uh, it's been yeah a while since he won one Adelaide which was in January 2022 was the last time he he uh, was the winner at an event and aged 37 the oldest finalist as well in the tournament's history Chris you were going to go to Stockholm but you yes. um deviated from those plans uh, so you would have been there to see Monfils lift the title but I'm assuming you tuned in what did you make of Monfils this week in particular his final performance well we saw kind of a little bit of this form earlier in the summer and it's just great that you know he's able to be back out there playing really well I mean you don't always think of him as being um, the greatest indoor player of all time but some of the highlights he was really lighting up Stockholm and I think the tournament really needed it um, he probably was one of the biggest names there. I think him and Wawrinka are some of the big crowd draws um, that we're playing. And he certainly put on a show this week. And 
Uh, it's very, very impressive. And some of the numbers that have come out after this, I think you do forget, I mean, that he is 37 because he does just play with such a youthful athleticism. And I had to double check this and double check this again, well, triple check this. Um, he's reached at least one ATP Tour singles final every year since 2005. That's 19 consecutive seasons. So that really is an Djokovic. impressive feat. Well, that is impressive. Only four people have done it. And I can't tell you who they are. So I'm very, I shouldn't have brought up the fact there were four people, but... Well, I believe Roger Federer is is one of them. And um, yeah, I mean, to me, what's incredible about that statistic is that I think Monfils, you know, there's a part of me that kind of looks and, and thinks about him. It's like, uh, you know, you know, a what if like unfulfilled given, you know, the injury, the injuries that he's had. So it's remarkable to me that he's he's managed to get to, you know, one final every season for so long because of the injury setbacks that he's had and the fact that he's had to continually fight from dropping down the rankings. And, you know, similarly this, you know, this season over the last, you know, 12 months or so, you know, he had that foot injury. I think he was out for six, seven months, low down the rankings and to get himself back up into the top hundred. And he's got very little points to defend now, I think until next summer, it's it's a real opportunity for him to to just drive and continue going up the rankings further and further. A thirty eight year old French number one is mm. that what he's aiming for? Oh, next okay. Year? He's he's coming for Manorino, isn't he? He's coming for Manorino's well, he's title. Already, he already defeated him in the uh, in the quarterfinals. Yeah, he did. So that could that could have been the battle for the the French number one going forward. It may come down to that. Um, I mean, Chris Holger Rune lost in the, in the first round. So yet another instance of, I guess, a higher ranked player just not having a great week on tour. Um, and what do we know about Pavel Kotov? You know, getting to the final as a qualifier. I have to say, I, I feel a bit ignorant because I don't really know anything about him. Um, but perhaps you can inform me and our listeners who also may be none the wiser. Well, I mean, he has been a player who is playing a lot better than he ha- than pre- he has done previously. He does throw an upset here and there. Um, he's achieved kind of a career high ranking at around 85. So he's not someone who you would necessarily think um, would have put in this performance. Um, but he has now reached the career high ranking of 81 this week. So um, this has been a season where he has been getting some results for the first time. Um, obviously making kind of his first... Um, final here and then he's had a couple of other um, interesting results here where he made his debut at the Australian Open Um, so he is kind of he's there or thereabouts Um, he's having some decent results but it feels like he's a player who's about to do something a little bit more than that Um, especially when you come through qualifying those are sorts of players who always end up um, doing something really good in the next few weeks and we think how do we not know this player Mm. Well, certainly another new name, newish name to kind of keep our, our eye on. And perhaps, you know, if he's in good form, he will go on to do more in the few weeks uh, following. Uh, just going back to Holger Rune, some news out of his camp that um, he's actually hired Boris Becker as his coach, uh, which is, uh, some may say, quite controversial, given that Boris Becker did a stint in prison uh, earlier I think it was this year, if not last year, uh, for for tax evasion, I think it was. Um, Chris, uh, sorry, Chris and Joel, what what do you both make of this? I know, Chris, you're quite um, ensconced in in Holger Rune's Mm. career as you're based in Denmark. That's why I moved to Denmark, Kim. It's why you moved to Denmark, just (laughs) to follow his career. (laughs) Yes, it is. To be closer to the man, the legend, Holger Rune. Um, Well, I'll tell you what, I saw this and I have to say my heart did sink a little bit because... I'm just not sure that this is going to be, from a temperament perspective, the perfect match. I thought maybe after the Patrick Mortogolu, he'd be looking to actually make the the genuine reconnection with his um, kind of childhood coach. Um, I really thought that's what we asked him the question. That's what he said. It didn't seem like he was searching for someone else. Like he was getting back to what it was that made him the great player um, that was allowed him to rise up the ranking. So I wasn't expecting this. Um, I wasn't expecting Boris Becker to be coaching such a high-profile player so soon after his release um, because he hasn't been embraced with open arms to the broadcasting world necessarily yet. So it, it's a big risk. Um, he, and he's I think still this- banned from... Boris Becker is still banned from Wimbledon. So yeah, he will not be able to attend with Holger next year. That is yeah, completely factually true. So it's a it's an odd decision in that sense. So for me personally, I think there probably were better people for the pick. Um, he has got a track record, obviously, with Novak Djokovic. Um, he was around for some really big successes for him. Um, but for me personally, um, 
I don't think that this feels like the best decision. Do you know what? The the only thing I, I would add to that is that I think there were a lot of eyebrows raised when, you know, Coco Goff started working with, you know, someone like Brad Gilbert, who was seen as a little bit of a, you know, just a, a commentator on, on social media and maybe was a little bit like almost underappreciated. And, and, you know, Goff took Gilbert on and that worked absolute wonders. And um, I I have raised, I raised my eyebrow in, in a similar vein, uh, you know, with Becca coming into the Runa camp. But because that happened there, I'm almost kind of a little bit like, well, why couldn't it happen on the, you know, on, on the, uh, you know, on the men's side? And, you know, is this the, is this the redemption arc of, of Boris Becker after all of the, you know, the troubles he's gone through over the last year? But um, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's going to be, I think it's going to be tough. I think it's going to be interesting. Um, and we'll see how it goes because you know with these coaching things you never know how long they go on for Um, you know is it a trial basis is it weeks in weeks out I think it's going to be interesting and it might even depend on actually how Boris Becker is I guess accepted back into you know the ATP tour if he is traveling with Holger Rune because not everyone is going to be his biggest fan given you know what's happened over the last 12 months yeah I think I mean He's obviously got a lot of experience and has added a lot to you know his coaching uh, repertoire in the past. But I guess for me, it's like the, the just the reputation of Boris Becker has been um, I don't know marred by all the kind of tax stuff. So is he like forbidden kind fruit? Of, is he like forbidden fruit yeah, now type situation? For me, he's just got a bit of an unsavory tank. He's damaged goods. Yeah, and I'm not sure. But if you're trying to boost your career, maybe you don't care about that. You know, you want True. his tennis knowledge, don't you? Not his money tax he, Yeah, and he's knowledge. always <laughs> been known for off-the-court antics. Um, not to go into too many details there from a... Um, from a lifestyle perspective, but, but you would I, say it, on uh, a on a you would say though on a tennis court he he did the business as a teenager, and you know maybe he can yeah. you can pass that knowledge and, and wisdom on to to Hogaruna because that is something that is you know not done that often to the the levels that he did and uh, yeah potentially that is what Runa is missing from his camp at the moment. Integrity yeah, though I right. do think is very important when it comes to this, and I think that. He's someone who you would have to question, you know, that you wouldn't get involved in something that could also lead to um, a situation that isn't favorable for you. So that's that would be, you know, people do say you are the company that you keep at times. So I think it's not going to help him for people who aren't a fan of Holger. I'm still a fan, but I think people will be asking more and more questions with that one. Yeah. And let's have a look at the other events that took place uh, on the men's tour this week. Just gone. We were in Antwerp. Um, in no February? longer February. <laughs> in the 90s. <laughs> I, I didn't realise oh. it had moved. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's the 16th to the 22nd of October nowadays. Uh, yeah. But we had Alexander Bublik winning uh, his third career title. He beat Arthur Fee 6464 uh, on Sunday, uh, just yesterday in Antwerp. Um, yeah, I mean, straight sets win. He saved all the break points he faced um, and kind of just just edged fee because, you know, it it was it was a bit um a bit up and down, but he managed to come through and he was not in a great run of form kind of coming into this event. So I'm sure Bublik will be delighted to have to have clinched the title. He blows hot and cold, doesn't he? I mean he can just Very. he can just turn it on at any moment. And I was I was looking at some of his serving stats uh, in in the final and across this tournament, it was mightily impressive. And uh, at times, I think in the, in the final, he was just serving two first serves um, as a first and a second serve. And Feast didn't really have you know much to answer to it. And uh, I think it just shows that with Bublik, when when he does concentrate on his game, when he does stay focused mentally, he is a, you know he is a force to be reckoned with, and uh, he can win titles with that mentality and uh, I think we have this conversation and that's one conversation we have and the second conversation we have is Bublik getting crazy at an umpire or, or do something or doing something like throwing his using racket the handle the back of the court. to get using the, the handle the exactly and holding the strings it's I very mean. like split personalities going on isn't there yeah, for sure. And I think it's um, he does have these sort of moments and he's had a couple of them this year where he just, as you say, puts it together and um, he's able to do shots that no one can. It's shots from like, almost like a, a his brain has thought about that shot and the composition of that shot in a very different <laughs> way, which I think for someone like Feast is like his worst nightmare as someone who can really upset his rhythm. Mm, because definitely. if you do 
give him, you know, for a pretty consistent ball, he will he will be able to tee off on it. And um, I think, Joel, you asked me the question about Fees in terms of uh, him versus Jack Draper in terms of the talent level. I mean, it's it's hard to believe that he was all, he was outside the top 200 at the start of the year for Fees. And, and now he's like pushing top 30. Um and he's putting together some really consistent results. So I, I still, I'm still back in feast as the, oh, are you? the player. I'm still, I still think Draper's ceiling personally is higher. But I will say feast at right now, his body, like he is ready for this. I mean, we saw that in person in Manchester. He's got a great, you know, physique that I think is up to the rigors of tennis, even for him at such a young age. That I, I think. There are other players around look him. 19, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Other players around him, Jack Draker. I'd also put Holger Rune in that category. Like they're just not as physically up to the task, I think, at times. Um, and we've seen that this season. Or get better at resting. I feel like Feast. I always see things on his Instagram of him enjoying like time by the pool or with friends. And um, one thing from this tournament I was going to mention, kind of before we move on, um, the sits of passes have won a doubles title together. Petros um, is in the top hundred in doubles now, I believe. Oh wow! Does it does this Just mean they, you are they still having to get wild get you cards? Far. Are they still having to rely on wild, wild cards? They might not for every tournament. <laughs> um, I mean, that's a step in the right direction. But I hope that he is coming back to captain the Greek um, United Cup team again because I think that was a real <laughs> success last time. Let's look at what happened on the WTA tour last week because we have had a trio of tournaments um, just like on the men's side. We went to Monastir in Tunisia where we had Elise Mertens uh, winning that title. It's the Elise Mertens Open, Kim, because I don't think she's... She's played there twice and she's won. She's won it back to back. Yeah, she's never lost there. She's got a 10-0 record at the event. Um, but she thrashed Jasmine Paolini, 6-3, 6-love. Uh, she also, I think, has has a very good record over Paolini, which probably helped in the final. Um, it's her eighth WTA title. And yeah, she obviously loves the courts out there. Um, it's her first successful defence of a title, I think, in about five years uh, when she did it in Hobart. So um, I know, Joel, you're a bit of a fan of Elise Mertens you think she's quite a stalwart player of the tour were you impressed with her performances in Monastir this week to be honest it felt like the tournament was a bit of a formality to her she didn't drop a set she threw in a couple of bagels breadstick as well some really comfortable set score lines so um yeah nice for her to to get back in to the singles winning singles winning circle I, th- I still think she's in this sort of you know she's proven her prowess you know, on the doubles court you know she's reached number one there I still feel like there's something I still feel like there's more to give from her on, on the singles mm. court and um, you know I, you know I've, I've unfairly maybe spoken to her about her before in terms of her grand slam record and just reaching kind of third rounds and, and fourth rounds and uh, I do think yeah there's there's more in the tank there and I think she can go further with the the capabilities that she's got with her tennis racket yeah and Paulini she was uh, in her fourth final she has only won one of those in the past but not to be uh, in the final for her but yeah great week for Elise Mertens uh, she'll be looking to hope well she'll be hoping they run that tournament next year uh, so she can make it 15 you know um but let's look at what else we had uh, on the wta tour we had the transylvania open joel i know you, you were very much looking forward to see if christian bought out the cape uh, and she again did. and she delivered <laughs> she delivered is it the uh, same not cape? so much oh i don't know no i think there was an evolution was i think there's been an evolution an evolution, an evolution the, the the that i yeah. remember i think it's become more of a moment yeah so she's definitely oh. looking the part kim looking the part but the tennis wasn't quite making making the the waves like the cape was she lost in the second round to ava lease um but however tamara Korpach of germany won her first tour title in um in transylvania beating elena gabriella russa um romanian player um in the final in straight sets so another player who's ticked off uh first tour title this week of uh, on her career cv uh so she needed just under two hours to to get um to get the win over Roos and uh yeah I mean she's she's um a player that I've I've you know not watched an awful lot of but you know 
just kind of there and thereabouts. It's a bit of a journey woman on the tour, I think, really. So it's nice for her that she's sort of finally got that ticked off. She beat uh, Britain's Jodie Burridge en route as well to that win. And then very much last but not least, we had a tournament out in Nancheng in China, which Katerina Sinyakova uh, won. Uh, this was a bit more of a, a difficult final. Was she was epic. up against Marie Buzkova, three and a half hours. Uh, Sinyakova saving three match points, lost the first set 6-1 and then won the second and third set in a tie break. Joel, comments on this match. How did, how did Sinyakova get over the tough, finish line Tough there? loss for, for Buzkova. Sinyakova is such a, she's such a grafter, isn't she? And, you know, she had that final last week against Leila Fernandez, um, which, you know, she didn't come out as as the victor and it went similarly deep. Um, so, uh, yeah, she was just, she just battled and battled. And I don't think this was the prettiest final. I don't think it's going to get any prizes for that. But certainly in terms of fighting spirit, Sinyakova had it full on on display and it was incredible to see her kind of clutch through um in the end but yeah Bushkova will be very very disappointed because you know there were tears at there at the end and as you say three match points arguably probably she should have got the job done yeah very very close indeed and perhaps you know I mean without wanting to to dwell too much on on the, the three events that we had this week I think I think for me the standout match was that final in, in Nanchang and but I think actually the most interesting thing that arguably to come out of the WTA side of things this week um, is actually some kind of quite controversial comments that have come out from the Kazakhstan Tennis Federation VP Yuri Polsky um, they have stated that the WTA could well go bankrupt by 2026 that's only three years away um, they have said that the WTA are in a very bad place and if their financial situation does not change they could go bankrupt um and that is the reason why they are um having to really focus on increasing the value of the bigger tournaments and kind of not prioritizing the 250s um chris what on earth do you make of these comments can we trust them first of all and what do you make of of these comments from the kazakhstani tennis federation well to be honest i think he's been right about things before he did kind of break the story about the 250s and the new rules that were coming in there so i feel like he's a bit of a wta whistleblower at this point but um there has been a response get him on the pod Maybe we should actually, that's a great idea. I hope his DMs are open. Um, (laughs) But in terms of um, the response from the WTA, uh, the chairman, Steve Simon, has declared the WTA is in a healthy financial position. He's excited about the strong future. He highlighted there's been an increase of 400 million in compensation to players over the next 10 years. Um, And so this is something that um, I think it is interesting because we were thinking whether there would be, you know, this merger um, and in terms of what has been kind of the response from the WTA is that that is very much not on the cards. Um, and they've been talking about what goals they're looking to kind of work towards, which is to try and have equal prize money at combined WTA 1,500 events by 2027 um, and single week events for WTA 1,500 by 2033. So it's a case where they're still trying to work towards equal prize money. So knowing they're in a less financially stable position than the ATP is no surprise. I think there has been for a while the perception that potentially it's not being run as the most profitable or financially um, competent business, given some of the decisions, especially around things like the WTA finals um, and the amount of money that may have been lost in things like Fort Worth, where there just weren't the ticket sales. So the numbers um, on the books do not show them making significant profits um, and actually making a loss for years when the ATP was making a pretty hefty a pretty hefty. Um, amount so i don't think there's um uh, a case that the wta is plain sailing and the numbers are brilliant i think there is a problem and i think responding this quickly to something that you could just say was unfound um and unfounded does show that maybe the wta is doing a bit of damage reputation and is a bit concerned that people might start to talk a lot more about how they're doing um but yeah i mean it, it, none of it felt like it was a surprise or untrue no. when you when you heard it Joel, anything to add to Chris's comments there? Yeah, I think it, it feels like, you know, the whole, you know, merger and, and the ATP and WTA working together. The more I was reading these comments, the more I feel like it's out of out of necessity, you know, more than anything, um, because both tours, you know, need to, to need to thrive 
for tennis to thrive and it's just sad I think and disappointing that I think arguably at the moment and I think further into the future I would arguably say the WTA at the top end their product is stronger and has greater quality and has greater depth and at times their matches are more entertaining and it's a shame that I think you know financially you know the organization is just not up to scratch I think with with the product in terms of how to sell it and they're almost kind of have to get into a situation where they're now dependent and reliant on the ATP to survive but I do think it is a case that they are stronger together and I expect to see that to happen you know sooner rather than later because if it doesn't happen we don't want to get into a situation where we don't have a tour and we don't have these players to showcase and um, you know it's funny how in other sports I think these opportunities we've seen big investment come in from you know, foreign places like Saudi Arabia or, or, or wherever. And, um, you know, we've seen that in, in football particularly recently. But uh, it, it does leave, it almost leaves the WTA vulnerable, I feel, to a big money shakeup that could come in and, and challenge and really upset the apple cart in terms of the tennis landscape. Well, think about it. You wouldn't be looking at those sorts of partners if you weren't in a situation where it was money that you no. couldn't refuse, you know, because naturally that would be something you'd want to turn down as the WTA because of certain issues and reasons behind it. But uh, the final thing I'll say before we kind of um, move on from this is that if your goal is equal prize money at the events, why would you not work with them? You know, I mean, if you take something like Rome, for example, um, the runner up in Rome in 2022 received more money than the winner did for the women's um, and the prize pot was just, I mean, worlds apart. It was um, over double um, for the men. So it's definitely a case that um, it doesn't really um, show significant progress unless you work with the ATP to achieve those goals, I, I believe, or work more closely and shutting the door like this and isn't necessarily a positive thing. Yeah, well, on that note, uh, let's take a very quick break. But do join us in the second half, where we'll be discussing Emma Raducanu's recent coach comments, uh, the United Cup draw for 2024. And we'll also be looking ahead to this week's events, including Vienna, Basel and the Zuhai Elite Trophy. So do not go anywhere. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theatres, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to the Tennis Weekly Podcast, sponsored by DownloadTennis.com. Now we're going to move on to a bit of par for the courts, uh, back and forth this time uh, with Joel, who is, I think, pitting me and Chris against yeah. each other. Oh, it's been a while, hasn't it? <laughs> it has been it a while, has. hasn't I it? look forward to um, losing, as usual, against you, Chris. <laughs> well, well, this... this oh, don't say that. This, uh, this edition of, of par for the courts, back and forth, is a very timely one. And it's to do with our, our very favourite, uh, I want to say B event, but, you know, we just love it anyway. The Zhuhai Elite Trophy. It is back. Oh, wow. And you may guess, and listeners as well may guess where this is going, but the last Zhuhai Elite Trophy took place in 2019. And I had a look at who played in that event. And I would like you to tell me as many of those players who played in the 2019 
Zhuhai Elite Trophy. Now, I know that is pretty tough going, so I am going to give you the nationalities that were represented from the 12 participants. So, listeners, you may want to get a pen and a piece of paper to write these down, but I'm going to say these now, Kim and Chris as well. These are the nationalities that were involved. 2019, okay. Yeah. Right. So I'm this looking is three for... years before I joined the podcast, Joel. I know. Just to, know. Just to make that really clear. <laughs> defending it's, myself. It's so long ago. I know. So I'm looking for... There are three Americans. Wait, we should be writing this down, shouldn't we, Kim? <laughs> yes, I'm jotting it down now. Okay, I've got notes up <laughs> out. Right. There are three Americans. There are two Croatians. There is a Belarusian. There is a player from the Netherlands, a Greek player, a Ukrainian player, a Czech player, and a Chinese player. Ooh. Okay. Gosh, the one player I was going to say isn't in that list uh, based on their nationality. So there we go. Well, maybe start with them, Kim, just for me, please. (laughs) No, I'm not that silly. Uh, Okay. Who's going first then between us? Uh, I will. I'm going to select this. I'm going to go. Chris can go first. Okay. And uh, just to clarify, there are eleven. There are eleven qualifiers, and there was one wild card, which was the Chinese player. I I could have told you that actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, oh really? here we go. This is a bit cocky. I remember it was like I remember it being real rogue. <laughs> I remember um, it just like it was yesterday. Honestly, that was um all I had in my life before the podcast was the <laughs> um, WTA Elite Trophy. Um, I think. The only way to play this, Kim, is we've got if it's if there's one player from a country, we can't be nice to each other. We have to go for it. So um Cutthroat. It is cutthroat. I'm gonna go for the Belarusian who who won it. Um and that's Arena Sabalenka. Correct. Yes. Arena Sabalenka is the Belarusian player. I am gonna go for the Dutch player, who might oh, think must be that. Kiki Burton's. That is correct. And Kiki Burton's got to the final. Um, she was the runner-up. But yes, that is a correct answer. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, who will I... I guess who is going to go for one of the three uh, Americans? That's, that's I'm, what I'm curious I'm about. I'm going to leave them till last, but I, I'm <laughs> going to go for a Croatian, Petra Martic. Correct. Very good. Petra Martic is on the list. Went out in the round robin. I'm going to go for another Croatian. Oh, here we go. This is big. This is big. (laughs) Well, I can't think of any others apart from Donna Vekic. That is a correct answer. Yes, Donald Vekic is on the list. Also went out in the round robin stage. I'm nervous you're going to get all of them, but I'm hoping it's not going to come to that. But yes. I honestly don't think that's too likely. <laughs> um, I might try and show off a little bit here. Um, and I think that year, 2019, the only other Ukrainian player who could have been there, because I believe Svitolina was probably at the WTA finals, I think it would have been Yastremska. So I'm going to say... Uh, Yastremska. Yastremska is correct. Yes, Diana Yastremska. Um, yeah, also went out in the round robin, but yeah, she was on the list. So no one's touched gonna... the Americans yet, and I'm like, no, this is... I'm oh, going to go we for the Greek, Greek player. player. Oh. Yeah, I know. Who I. I know there's Eleni Danilidou, <laughs> yeah, I don't even know there. if she plays anymore. <laughs> but I think it must be Maria Zachary, uh, because this would have been slightly before she got her ranking up. So I'm going to say Zachary. Zachary is correct, yes. Right. Did you say there was... um? We've got three US, one Czech and one Chinese to go. And one Belgian player, sorry. I, oh. I got that off the list as oh, well. Oh, one Belgian. Oh, does that, does that fly in the ointment? Sorry, apologies. One Belgium, t- 2019. I don't think it's going to be Wickmire. Um, I'm going to go for the player who always probably ends up here, Madison Keys. Correct, yes. Madison Keys is one of the three americans on the list oh this is getting this is getting tough this is getting tight go for the belgium kim come on <laughs> well now i know there's a belgian i'm reassessing so 
I mean, there was Kirsten Flipkins back in the day, and there was Yanina Wickmire, but surely it must be Elise Mertens. Correct. Yes, Elise Mertens oh, yes. also on the list. Okay, it's neck. It is neck and neck. So Tense. We have a Chinese player and two we Americans player. and a Czech player. Um, I believe that the Chinese wildcard was the highest ranked Chinese player at the time, uh, which was Zhang Saiso. I thought that was going to be a deal breaker, but that is a correct answer. Yes, Zheng Saisai. I remember Sai that wild card, and she had a good run, I think. Card. I'm not sure if she made it to the semis, maybe, but very, she had a run. Chris, that yeah. is very good knowledge. She got yeah. to the semifinals, yes. That is impressive. I would not have said her, so well done. Is I'm it impressive go... or is it sad, Kim? I think is the question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to risk the Czech player here, because <sighs> um, I remember seeing her at Wimbledon that year in 2019. And I'm sure this was kind of when she got to the quarters and I kind of, maybe she started making inroads. Um, but there are a lot of Czech players. So actually, you know, how many of them would have also been higher ranked than this person? It's tense. Yeah, I'm going to say Karolina Mukova. But she might not have been right up there just actually Oof. thinking about it. I don't know. Oh. It's correct. Yes, Carolina Mukova yes. is on the list. Wow, we're coming <sighs> down to the two Americans. Who would have I'm, thought it? I'm really not sure I'm about I'm really this. nervous now. Is this going to end in a draw? I, I'm not sure I'm going to get either of these, if I'm really honest. There are two um, Americans left. Maybe our American listeners are shouting out right now who the, the final two are. The only name I can think of, because I think she won the 2020 AO... And she was, she was there. She wasn't obviously top 10 at the time, but she was, I think she was maybe seeded then, but she was playing some good tennis. Um, I'm going to go for Sophia Kennan. Correct. Sophia Kennan oh. is on the list. I almost wow. said Sloan, but then I thought wow. there's no way she'd be in Zuhai. I can't at that time believe you've got all of these and... Kim, this That's is to amazing. draw. This is to draw. I know. I can't. There's no hope of me winning. Wow. So I was thinking about Sloane Stevens earlier. I was thinking oh, Coco yeah. Goff, but I don't think she would have been higher enough ranked then. Um, I need a name, Kim. I'm going to say American. Venus Williams. One American. Venus Williams. Ooh, that's quite a good guess. Because I think she she might have been... She did well in Asia. There. So Venus like, Williams to draw... In one Just... of the most dramatic ever <laughs> half of the courts. <laughs> it's incorrect, Kim. Oh, oh no. no. The right oh, American. <laughs> Who was Who? it? Chris oh, wait, wait, wins it. JPEG. Chris wins it. It's not Jesse Pagula. Ooh, uh, I have no what idea. What other Americans got... exist on the Danielle tour? Danielle Collins? It's not Danielle oh, Collins. Yeah. Oh, um, Bethany Maddox-Sands? It's not Coco Bethany Maddox-Sands. It's not... Coco Vanderway, it is <laughs> Melanie Uda, no joke. It is Caroline Dolhide. Dolhide. <laughs> it is Alison Risk. Oh, Alison oh. Risk. I would never have said her. On the list. <laughs> wow. She was what? around top 20 at that time, I imagine, mm-hmm. yeah. So th- there oh, you have it. It was Kiki Burton, Sophia Kennan, Madison Keys, Arena Sabalenka, Petra Martic, Elise Mertens, Alison Risk, Donna Vekic, Maria Sakkari, Diana Yastremska, Karolina Mukova, and Zheng Sai Sai. There you go. So uh-huh. a few of them are back this time. Donna Vekic is back. Um, Madison Keys is back. Um, Zachary, I believe, is also making an appearance. So, I mean, the surprising consistency at the top of the uh, game, considering um, how long ago that was. Yeah. No, that was really good, Joel. Uh, very dramatic. Went down to the wire. Just Congrats, hard enough. Chris, on your win. Thanks. <laughs> if I lost that, I would never hear the end of it. No. Well, let's um, let's have a look at what's in our mailbag this week because we had Tim uh, reach out to us on email. Uh, Tim's been watching the David Beckham Netflix documentary and he wants to know which tennis player we would like to see get the David Beckham style Netflix treatment uh, for a documentary series about their life. I haven't started watching the Beckham thing yet, but so I'm not too sure of the format and how it, how it's going. But um, how about one word answer? Uh, 
uh, Joel, Chris, tell me who you'd love to see a documentary about coming to our screens. Andre Agassi. Okay. Chris? I'm going to be naughty and I'm going to try and cover as many bases as possible. I think the Sitzer Passes, that whole family would be a walking oh, like meme. Keep, keeping up with the Sitzer Passes. That's I great. Think it would be I love that. Meme. <laughs> Relentless. I think he would. But make him think this is highbrow. You know, like that feels more spiritual. e-entertainment as opposed to Netflix, but I'll, I'll give you it. Badosa popping in, you know, we love it. <laughs> Kim, what about you? Yeah, that does... And you can't Ooh, say Rafael Nadal. I've already, I'm already like my, vetoing my that now. You can't say that. The, the Monfises. I think that'd be quite nice. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess if you want a household name, I've, I should really pick a, a big... Well, a household name, you know, Serena. I think just a one-word title, Serena, would would definitely sell. Would definitely get the the. What do you want, Kim? What do you want, Kim? Come on. What do I want? I think it'd be quite interesting just to follow a run-of-the-mill player. Uh, Maybe someone like Harmony Tan. Yeah, (laughs) I was thinking Safarova or. Caroline Garcia, you know, the <laughs> nice, friendly <laughs> individuals. Where is <laughs> <laughs> not coining a Netflix deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they're nice, friendly players. I think you have, you know, like Garcia. they would give a I sort think of Garcia would nice be, yeah, I'll give perspective you that. on one's career. Last season, Garcia um, would be fascinating going to this season. Yeah. Okay. Going from, uh, you know, through the Renaissance. I mean, you could call it the Renaissance as the documentary yeah, title. Yeah. And then people yeah. recommend it thinking it's be Beyonce. Over it. Yeah. yeah. The story arc would be amazing. Well, so there hope, we go. That's my answer. We hope series three is going to be better than series two. <laughs> yes. Thanks so much, Tim, for your question. Um, that's entertained us greatly trying to think <laughs> of that. Kim, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, people wouldn't even know how to say the, the name of the doc because it should really be shivajava oh say it joel Um, you love saying that one shivajava yeah fantastic (laughs) yeah fantastic scenes all right and maybe maybe emma raducanu should actually be the subject of the documentary seeing as you know she is a global name now and actually talking of emma raducanu she's in uh well she's been in the news a little bit hasn't she because um she's kind of come out in a i think in a, a talk with radio 4 um about her her coaching situation because she's aiming to return from this big surgery um in time for next season um and obviously she's going to be coming back with a much lower ranking um but she's she was sort of asked about her coaches and how her relationship with them is always very short lived and she basically came out and said that she asks her coaches a lot of questions and on certain occasions they haven't been able to keep up. Um, so she's providing some justification for, um, yeah, the, the kind of plethora of coaches that have had brief stints. Um, but yeah, what, what did you make of those comments? Um, you know, what do you think she's going to be asking her coaches? I mean, what questions is she asking? What would you ask your coach? Well, that's, a, that's a, I mean, that's a fantastic question in the first place. I mean, um, we always say, like, do you ask the right questions? They didn't have the answer on the day. But it sounds like you get the wrong answer and she might fire you the way that she sort of had a chuckle after she said it. But I'd be asking, um, I'd be asking questions about uh, the pattern of play on the WTA tour. I think that's something that'd be quite interesting. I think you'd want someone who had some really good insight on what was what was happening right now. Um, she says she she really wants people to challenge things in her thinking. So I think she doesn't want to know something that she already does know. She really wants different perspectives. And that's why she has always said that she was chopping and changing coaches, not just to get one overview and one trajectory. Um, but the interview, I think overall, they were very kind to her with the questioning about this. They kind of nodded to some of the, the hiccups along the way, but they didn't really go in on the fact that she was really... Um, unable to keep a coach and some of them did leave her rather than the other way around so I think we do forget that um a question she might also be asking do you have an in with Rolex I'd love another deal um but she did she did kind of say that I think a lot of players when they're younger don't make enough deals and kind of sort out their future for after tennis um so I think that was interesting but the final thing I'll say she thinks she's going to be playing for another 15 years. So looks like we'll be talking about her for many, many more years to come on the tennis tour. Chris, I'm surprised you didn't say the number one question I would have asked would have been, how do I how do I stay injury free? Oh, actually, mm. who, is, who is your coach? That would have been the question I would have asked. Yeah. 
Yeah. How do you feel about um, job security? I think the fact that she said she's going to be playing for 15 more years, hopefully it's a good sign that the surgery went well and she's feeling, you know, confident in her ability to kind of come back yeah, onto the tour. I mean, so that's a positive. She's keen. Mm, exactly. So we'll look forward to seeing what happens and who on earth will be coaching her because uh, I can't keep up. Um, I think that's a really good quiz question on its own, like name all of her coaches. Uh, that would be a future path for the courts for sure. Um, but moving on very quickly, uh, in other news this week, we've had the United Cup draw uh, released. So the United Cup will be taking place after Christmas, starts on December the 29th, uh, out in Australia and Perth and Sydney. We've had the groups announced. Uh, we won't go through them all, but Great Britain have in a very English-speaking group because they've got USA and Australia in their group. Tough um, group. Which is a hard group. It does mean Katie Bolton might have to play her boyfriend, Alex de Menor, in the, uh, the mixed doubles, potentially. So that'd be quite interesting. How, how excited are you genuinely for the United Cup? I wasn't even aware the draws got announced and then this mm. happened and we've still got we've still got Billie Jean King Cup Davis Cup finals uh, to come I, I just can't get behind this sorry I could have Rafa Rafa and Iga could be drawn against each other but overall I'd have to say the thing I'm excited about and I think we can all rejoice in it's not three cities with a very mm, very complicated very formula to find out who goes through to the semi-finals because that was some of the most complicated maths um, ever with people flying all over for that so at least with two cities hopefully it will get a little bit easy um, easier from the logistics side of things because I mean at that time of year the last thing we want to do is you know we've just put the calculators away as you say from those competitions we don't want to get them back out again yeah it's very much west coast east coast and I mean, I don't know where the finals are going to be. I assume they'll have to pick one or the other, but um, we'll get that detailed closer to the time. Um, but also, I, I still had to take umbrage at the kind of United Cup. I just feel like it's very corporate uh, brand washing when we know the WTA and the ATP are not very united. Yeah. So like, why um, pretend yeah, that yeah. it the is? The forced cup. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but let's have a look at what's happening slightly nearer to uh, now. Uh, we've got tournaments this week underway. We've got Vienna. We have got uh, Baal and we've got Zuhai, as we mentioned. Um, let's start in Vienna. Now, Carlos Alcaraz was... Uh, potentially going to play this event but apparently his appearance fee was through the roof and they said no we're not paying that he was deemed too expensive is yes, that right that is accurate that's been reported um, how much that the per- well i mean have a guess what would you what would you reckon for him to pick up a tennis racket half a fiver half a mil no. <laughs> half a mil half a, mil. half a million it's actually seven hundred and fifty thousand euros is his starting wow. fee so that is astronomical i mean I mean, the Tennis Weekly Vienna. podcast can afford him definitely. Yeah, do you think he'll come on the podcast? <laughs> yeah, no definitely. rackets required. You know, maybe that would be the. <laughs> will be, but I tell you what, they aren't suffering for the lack of Carlos Alcaraz in Vienna. We have the likes of Medvedev Fis in the first round, and Ben Shelton, Yannick Sinner. So yes, I mean that is going to be I'm, Sinner Shelton. I hope Shelton doesn't drop out from Tokyo. I mean that's going to be quite a shift and quite a turnaround, but. That's, that's blockbuster first round, isn't it? There's a lot of mm. blockbusters. There's Sitsipas versus home favourite Dominic Team, And I'm just a bit annoyed that I didn't get tickets for the start of the week, that I'm going at the end of the week, because it seems like we're getting what could be quarterfinals in round one. Mm. Yeah, it's a bit of an odd draw, but I mean, at least you'll be there for some of it. So we look forward to you'll hearing your thoughts Sasha's on Verev, the Erste Open. I saw he I won really, today. I, I really saw he won not. today. Come on, he's he back on the comeback win. trail. I'm hoping maybe a Dan Evans we'll see or something like that. Ooh, you know, okay. play yourself into mm. form before the Davis Cup finals. <laughs> yes, indeed. And also we've got Baal uh, taking place. Holger Runa is the top seed. Kasper Ruud, the second seed. Also got the likes of Hubert Herkaj, Seb Calder, Taylor Fritz there. Will any of them have a better week than they did uh, last week on tour? Well, that remains to be seen. But who are you looking at for, for this event in Baal? Obviously, it used to be Federer's, uh, well, it's, Federer's Faye it's tournament. It's got to be it? Kim. Andy Murray, who had an absolute shocker. Absolute shocker of an, of an Asian swing, I'd say. And, he won uh, today. He won today against Yannick Hanfman. And uh, it looks like, I mean, Echeverry and Corder have just gone into a third set. I sort of hope Echeverry comes through that because it's, it's going to be tough regardless. But um, yeah, it was nice to see mm. Andy Murray get back into a semblance of, of form because he didn't look himself um, out in Asia. 
No. And um, just a, a, the last note, the Zhuhai Elite Trophy. Um, we have 12 players uh playing that one they've been split into four very lovely named groups I, I love the the floral names of the groups group azalea group orchid group rose and group camellia how pretty is that I'm a big fan of i've never names. heard of it's camellia that's a flower yes okay yes okay um, is isn't camellia sinesis uh <laughs> is that the tea plant and I need I to watch mad? more garden oh, as well. Uh, uh, like chamomile yeah. tea, do you mean? Like that would be the uh, plant it comes from. I have no idea. I don't know. But... I think it's just tea generally. I'm not sure. Um, maybe, yeah, chamomile. I don't know. I don't Listeners, know, but... any horticulturalists among you, please let us know I, if I mean, we're right or I wrong. I mean, that Camellia group, I mean, Keys had admire Garcia. That If there's a group of flowery death, I feel like that is, it's that one. We need predictions yeah. though for this. I feel like we have to. Ooh, yeah. The elite trophy. Okay. Who's going to take it home? I need a name from you both. Go on, Joel. Chin Wen Chin Wen Really? You heard it here first. Ostapenko. Ost- oh, goodness. Are you going Ostapenko, Kim? This. I, was I sure think that- Keys or Ostapenko. Give us a name, was- Kim. Keys, if I had to pick. She's more... Goodness. Consistent. I can't believe Joel didn't go for Lynette or Kudametova and Kim didn't go for Samsonova. Um, oh, yeah. I'm going to go true, for. Actually. I'm going to go for. Gar- no, Kajikova. Kajikova's taking it home. Ooh, okay. Mm, it's a tricky one. It's really very tricky. It's a lot of, I think, fairly even matchups there. So. Mm. Yeah, I think it'll be a good one. Uh, but we'll we'll see what happens and we'll be rounding it up this time next week, won't mm-hmm. we? And yeah, and Chris will be back from Vienna so we can hear a little bit uh, from his travels. But listeners, we're going to end it there for this latest tour catch up with the Tennis Weekly podcast. I hope you've enjoyed our latest episode. Remember to subscribe to us to stay up to date on all the actions still to come from the ATP and WTA tours. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and all major podcasting platforms out there. And if you like what you're hearing, then make sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also follow us on social media or email the show. We're on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube and X. And the handle is Tennis Weekly Pod. You can purchase our exclusive Tennis Weekly merch at etsy.com slash shop slash Tennis Weekly Podcast. You can also email us tennisweeklypod at gmail.com or check out our website tennisweekly.co.uk. And we will be back next week at Tennis Weekly HQ for our next tour catch up. So I hope you can join us for that. But in the meantime, it's goodbye from Kim. Goodbye. It's goodbye from Chris. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. We'll see you again soon. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.